And welcome into Sunday Coffee. Mississippi State losing to Auburn yesterday, 24 to 10. Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield. You brought more energy to that open than I have. If There's I look a like a pep in your if I look like I just rolled out coffee this morning. <laughs> if I look like I just rolled out of bed, it's because I did. And it wasn't in it very long if you're like me. No, it wasn't in it long at all. So looking back last night, you know, 10,000 feet. What was uh what's your general thought of last night? I I don't know if we were kind of down a little bit in the post game. Well, you were. I, I was trying to be the, the glass half full guy. Uh-huh. Uh, hey, you walked to the Bulldog Burger last night. Your face was kind of red. I mean, you came in, like, walking fast. I was like, uh-oh, here comes Charlie coming in hot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it was frustrating. And I, so, on the one hand, I was very frustrated after the game last night. On the other hand, that's the reason that I can sit here this morning Optimism may be too strong a word, but not pessimistic. And let me let me tell you why. But, you know, I, I came in mad last night because we said this on the post game. It was a shared loss. There were things everywhere that you'd like to clean up and you'd like to do differently. Basically, every position group that meets with their coaches today, they're going to be able to identify a couple of plays that really impacted the outcome of that ball game. On the other hand, I think that's kind of the good thing is it's only a couple of plays in a bunch of different rooms that is the difference. I don't think the line between success and failure is that great. We'll talk about some of these, but there were moments as ugly as that game was, as painful as it was to watch. We had our chances. We just got worn down in the fourth quarter. I thought it was a boring football game. I thought I thought our game against Ole Miss was a boring game. I thought the game yesterday or last night was a very – boring game. It was kind of tough to watch at times for both teams. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, we were good defensively for the most part. Here's the thing that stands out to me is, you know, coming in, I thought tackling was going to be the big issue. We we tackled well once we got to them. Now, did we come up with some bad angles at Tank Bixby in the hole? Late in the game, yeah, we did. Uh, but it wasn't a tackling issue. But we also talked about how Coming in, Auburn was so putrid of getting off the field on defense. And last night they were able to do that. I mean, this is an Auburn team that came in ranked 123rd in the country out of 127 teams in third down conversion percentage, okay? Last night we were four for 16 on third downs. And so I guess you kind of want to dissect – how do you get to that point? Because we really didn't have many third down and manageable situations. We were behind the sticks all night last night on offense, but Auburn was able to get off the field. Essentially, that's what wore our defense down. I mean, there were several factors that I thought played a part in us being completely gassed on defense in the fourth quarter. And as limited as we are on the defensive side, there was a couple of things in there. One is, you know, Auburn was able to get off the field. The second thing is, too, I didn't think, you know, Bo Nix, and I'm not going to take shots at opposing players. I mean, I think he's, you know, from what I understand, you know, his dad, Pat, is a great guy. He's a good dude. But he's not, you know, he's not making his living throwing the football. And last night, especially in the second half, he didn't make his living throwing the football. Here's what he did do 
that I thought was a big difference for Auburn. I thought early in the game, he hits the eject button really, really quick in the pocket. I mean, he, he's a guy that understands his offensive line is not great, and he gets outside contained in a hurry. He's faster than I thought he was. So you think about, you know, your your defensive linemen, you think about your linebackers and how much they had to chase that sucker in the first three quarters. I mean, sideline to sideline. There was one play he ran 75 yards before he finally threw it away. I just think that leads when your depth is a major issue. I think when you get to the fourth quarter, I thought we were just completely gassed, and a lot of that was because we were chasing that quarterback all over the daggum field. Well, and it showed up on that big drive in the fourth quarter. So we come back, we make it a 16-10 to 10 game, and I'm thinking, all right, defense, I've asked you for a lot. I've asked you to stand up. I've asked you to do things, but now is when I need you. Now in the fourth quarter, it's winning time. This is where you have to get the quick stop, get the punt, and have the ball back in your offense's hands with a chance to go win the ball game. And so you've scored, and we make it 16-10. to 10. We have the offsetting unsportsmanlike conducts, which is another issue that we're going to have to touch on uh, before we go. But I don't want to get off on that yet. But here's what happened. We kick off Auburn takes over at their 25, 16-10 game. And I thought Bixby, who we had managed for the most part pretty well, he had some numbers, but he's going to have numbers. I mean, that he, he's their offense. It's kind of like saying, well, Will Rogers had passing yards. Of course he did, because that's what you do. That's what Auburn does. They hand it to Bixby. But here's what happens. 8-24 to go. Bixby for 15. Bixby for 15. Then you have the injury. To Marquis Spencer, I want to have some comments on that. Bigsby for 24, and now you're first and goal at the six. Bigsby takes it to the three, and then Nix runs it in. And that's where if I'm Bigsby, I'm saying, wait a minute, I just had 57 yards running down the field. Let me do the rest of this. So Auburn had 218 yards rushing in the game, and I think that was a big point that was brought up in the postgame by a lot of folks. We brought it up, and a lot of media brought it up as well. So what you're saying is essentially that – you know, almost 50%, what, 40% of their rushing yards came in a two-minute and 21-second span. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's one of those deals of it may not be as bad as it seems. Now, I think our offense last night was, was, was not very good. I mean, it just wasn't. And it was sheer blame. I think it was receivers getting off the ball. I think it was line giving time. I think Will missed on some throws. I think it was a lot of everything last night. You look at first down last night of what we did. Okay, we had 26 first down plays. Oh, this is huge. We rushed it three times. Okay, we rushed it three times. We had 20 passes, and then we had three sacks. Okay? So think about that. Of course, you know, we're not going to run the ball a whole lot. How many penalties did you have on first down? Three. Three penalties. (laughs) Three penalties for 35 yards. So, so, three penalties and three sacks. Three penalties and three sacks. And so, you know, essentially almost 25% of your first down plays, you were behind the sticks. And that's – I know it's a passing offense, but, but this offense is not designed to play behind the sticks. No, not at all. And But here's the thing. First down 
passing, 14 of 20 for 73 yards. So you're not only you're not only are you completing 14, but you're not getting anything. So the average game we had last night on first down was 3.8 yards. Okay, let's flip the page to Auburn. And hey, they run the ball. That's what they do. They had 29 offensive plays. They rushed it 23 times, and they threw it six. They had zero sacks. They did have four first down penalties for 40 yards. So you know they were behind the sticks. You know, essentially four times, but they averaged right at seven yards on their 29 first down plays. They were playing in a shorter field last night, and that allowed them to stay on the field more. Now, time of possession was not as crazy as I thought it was going to be. They had 30, 30 minutes and 56 seconds. We had it 29.04. I thought that as a fan sitting there watching the game, I always felt that Auburn was on offense last night. And I, th- and I think a lot of that is because we're used to you know chewing up some clock. We may not score, but we chew up a lot of clock. But Auburn was able to just stay on the field, and we could not stay on the field last night. No, we couldn't. There's one other first down number I just noticed. Auburn basically had seven yards of play on first down. We had four. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you go back and say, why aren't we good on third down? has a lot to do with first and second. So then you look at third and shorts. How many third downs did we have less than four, four yards or less last night? Three. Three, so three of 16. Three of 16 times you had third down and four or less. So, I mean, that tells a story right there of – Man, it was um, it was it was a lot of third and eights and third and nines last night. Um, th- those are things. Had seven times it was nine or more. Seven times in a game you were two of seven. Auburn only had four times they had it third down and long. So I'm curious about your take on something because I could not decide watching it last night, and I think the answer is probably both. But there seemed to be a, a situation where we didn't get guys open, and we didn't have time to throw. And I was listening to somebody around me saying, throw it, throw it. Well, unless you're throwing in the bleachers, I didn't see a place to throw it. On the other hand, I didn't see ability to stand there and wait either. Did you feel like we took a step back pass blocking? Did you feel like our receivers took a step backwards? Or was it all the above? Did we just not make good decisions to get rid of it soon enough? I tell you what, I thought a couple of times that, you know, first of all, as a quarterback – when somebody is is up in your face, and Andy Bertram talked about this, you know, to us last week about, you know, Kevin Steele is a bump and run defensive guy, and he was like, I don't anticipate us running a whole lot of zone, especially in our secondary. I mean, you may see some underneath zone with some linebackers, but as far as your corners, you're not going to see a whole lot of zone. And he he was right. I thought last night, Auburn. You know, jumping in that man-to-man, which we haven't seen a whole lot of since that first game against LSU. They got in our receiver's face, and they popped us pretty good. They, and he jammed us, wouldn't let you off the line. And so then it becomes a question of how, how much of these guys seen that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they've seen nothing but, you know, a lot of zone over the last seven ball games, And then all of a sudden last night you come out. And, of course, but what have we been saying? Oh, hey, man, we want somebody to run man against us. We hadn't seen it. <laughs> we hadn't seen it, but we haven't seen an aggressive style of man. There, there's one way to play man. There's another way to play an aggressive style of man of I'm going to pop you at the line of scrimmage and jam you, and how are you as a receiving core going to react to that? I didn't think we reacted to that well last night at receiver. I think what does that lead to, at least the timing issues? I thought Will held on to the ball a couple times last night a little bit longer, maybe going to different guys. 
Um, then swing it out in the backfield, and then Auburn has a chance to come up, you know, with our linebackers and make that play on the swing pass. And so, uh, it was just a game that was it was not pretty at all from an offensive standpoint. And I'm not making any excuses whatsoever. But that was that was kind of a it was a different look for Auburn. And give Auburn credit; it was a situation of hey, this is who we are. We're not going to come out here and rush three and sit back on everybody else. That's just not who we are, and that's who they weren't. So then I think the next question is, okay, so what do we do about it? How do you fix this? I think the defensive issues, and I'll see if you agree with me, I think the issues that we had on defense last night were primarily related to depth. You were thin on the backside. You are thin up front. Spencer gets hurt, and now you're even thinner. And so – I think the thing you have to have on defense is just a little more depth, and you got to have some guys back. I think that largely fixes that problem. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I think without doubt, you know that's that's the big thing. Is you know, look at third down passing last night. You know, Auburn was five of twelve in third down passing. I mean, Bo Nix, what he complete with four passes the entire second half. I mean, we did a pretty good job. You know, in the secondary, you know, and, and I saw where, you know, people are probably getting on, on Emerson a little bit for it was that game. You know, th- there was a lot of trash in that game, both sides. That bothered me. It bothered it, all it, both ways, honestly. It, it did. It did. There was a lot of trash talking, and that was a perfect pass. He just got beat. And sometimes you just get beat. And that's the whole thing about being on, you know, on an island out there at cornerback is, you know, even grandmas can tell when you screw up. I mean, if you're a defensive tackle and you miss an assignment, eh, I, I don't, I didn't see that. I didn't see when a linebacker came up and took a bad angle. I mean, you get beat one-on-one at cornerback, everybody, you know, my 89-year-old grandmother knows, okay, you got you got beat. That's just a part of the position. Um, but I'll tell you what, take away that play. I mean, I thought Emerson was really good last night. I thought he was, I thought he was very good last night. But I, th- I thought a lot of that goes back to the way the game was called early is I thought they let them get away with it. They they allowed that, and that, that was kind of one of the things that kind of bothered me as an officiating crew last night. Is 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 they let that game kind of get out, almost out of control. They did let it get out of control, and then it's hard to pull back once you let it get out of control. And I think it led to a. I, th- I think we let Auburn kind of get in our head last night. Kind of reminded me of Kentucky a few years ago when, you know, they jump on Twitter all week and then all of a sudden we get to the game and, you know, we had, what, 17 penalties against Kentucky because we just we couldn't take it. And I thought they rattled us last night and kind of got in their kitchen a little bit and got us rattled. I thought it was interesting that we had a concern or a wonder coming into that ball game about whether Auburn would be ready to play after getting beat twice. They were. They were ready to play. And then I thought the thing that bothered me about the officiating last night, let me take that back. One of the things that bothered me about the officiating last night was as it related to players running their mouths back and forth, there was a different standard applied by different officials. My issue is this. If, you, if you're going to call it tight, call it tight. I don't need one guy throwing the flag in a hurry and other guys not. And if we're going to put a stop to – to guys talking, then then you shouldn't have officials running in and getting between guys, separating them, and nobody gets a flag. You know, you you gotta you gotta call it the, the same way. I'll be honest with you, the thing that really set me off last night was we have the extended delay when Marquis Spencer is injured, 
I haven't seen the replay clearly enough to say whether it was targeting or not. But if you mean to tell me that they bring the card out on the field, they have him on the board, they are taking him off, and he has not even cleared the tunnel when the white hat comes out and says, during the stoppage, we had a booth review, and by the way, there's targeting. I mean, we can't give it 30 more seconds and at least let him clear the field before we flag him on a play where you don't know how severely injured the guy is? Well, you talk about, you know, officials calling things differently. Some some officials willing to throw the flag for running your mouth. There's also a thing of, of the targeting issue. This targeting issue with booth reviews oh my is, is, is getting out of hand. And it's not just here. I mean, you look early in the year, Arkansas had a player ejected when his head hit a guy's ribs, okay? Um, last night, I mean, you had you pretty much had targeting early in the game, and if I go back to the point of holding, I mean, if you're not going to call it, hey, let me know if you're going to give me that outside corner as, as an umpire in the first first inning. You know, let me know what you're going to do. But it was almost like if, if you're going to overturn, if you're going to overturn the call on Wally, if you're going to overturn that, then. You better be right the rest of the night. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it better be egregious. And I, I just that that the the overturning of things on the field when they appear to everybody in America that it's different. To me, that's the issue, and and that's 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 the problem I have. And and also I go back to the point, and I mean I know a lot of people talk about well I mean there's there's no transparency and you know the officials don't I mean I'm not asking for the I'm not asking for the white hat to have to come in the you know in the press conference after the game and start answering questions, but at the end of the day, I mean there's there's got to be some kind of way to see to to just explain what they're seeing. I mean who is the guy? Who who's who's over there watching it? I mean, we don't even know who it is. And the other thing, too, is when you start looking at these things, you know, life isn't lived in slow motion. And we can take this and we can look at it from a thousand different angles and we can come up with all these things. But the bottom line is there's a whole lot of that should be in play of when it comes to targeting. I know it when I see it. And what we saw on the pass play early in the ball game was a defenseless receiver after the opportunity to make the catch was clearly gone Get cheap shotted, okay? Call it what you want, but it, that's what it was. Well, I, and I, I just, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and you, know, you lose a 24 to 10 game and start harping on officiating. I'm not going to do that. And I thought it was it was both ways last night. I thought Auburn Hill. If if I'm an offensive line coach or a wide receiver coach in the Southeastern Conference, I am telling my guys, you hold like all get out, and if they flag you, keep on holding and see if they'll call it again. Yeah, and let me be clear. I am not attributing that loss to the officials. No, no, no. Period. No. But it's, this is an issue when it comes to targeting. This has been an issue all year long, and it goes back to the NFL, how they can't define what a catch is. Yeah. I, I feel that's the issue that we have at targeting. And at some point, the SEC, again, this isn't outcome determinative, but it's got to be fixed because it can be. At some point, I think somebody has to say, if they think they are doing it right, then educate us. And I also go back to the point. I've driven it home here on the show. I mean, I think the SEC has got to figure out a way to, quote, unquote, move their officials' command center. 
out of the SEC footprint because I'm a rational person. I usually am for the most part. Um, but, but I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, they're about to go sit in some – they're going to Birmingham. They're, they're going, they're going to, Birmingham. to Birmingham. They're going to Birmingham. And, you know, first of all, who's in the command center? You know, who's he go to church with tomorrow? What's he going to have to listen to? Can't believe you did that about my Tigers. I mean, that's that's the that's the mindset. That, that's the first thing you think of. Move that sucker to Charlotte, man. And just that's where say, your TV cameras are anyway, right? Or yeah. your, your control center. That's where your network is anyway. Yeah. Just say, hey, we're going to Charlotte and, and let them make the call. I just think the first thing that comes to your mind when you're playing a team from Alabama is, is you know, somebody's third cousin removed from, you know, we had an official a few years ago. It was son of a former player in the Alabama game. I mean, that's the first thing you think of. And it just seems to me like – that's just something that's easy to control. You know, Bart, you say something in baseball a lot about games are sequential. And you can't say, well, if we wouldn't have struck out in the third, then this would have happened. Because everything you change changes everything that follows it. Last night strikes me as a game where that statement really rings true. Because if you go back, let's say you change the targeting call. You know, now you got a first down, that changes things. All right. If you change one drop, if you change one Bigsby run on that drive, there's so many different things in that ball game where it's so easy to wake up. And, and look, I wasn't in a great mood last night, as you well know. It is so easy to say, oh, boy, another disaster. Look, yes, we took a step backwards offensively. We agree on that. Yes. All right. But then you go back and you say, what might have changed that? Any one thing, any one catch. I thought we had a chance to make a play on a ball in the end zone that we didn't make. Uh, I thought we had a chance to make a catch inside the 10. Well, we're lucky that one wasn't picked off. You know, it hits the yeah. receiver, goes up in the air. You get any one of those things, and you never an, know how it changes. Another deep ball. We had another deep ball. You may have had some defensive pass interference, but at the end of the day, it was dropped. So there were plays there to be made last night. And I'm sure, hey, if, if I'm doing the Auburn, you know, fifth uh, Sunday coffee, I'm probably saying the same thing. Man, if – you know, if if the, if we'd have done this in the first quarter, we'd have won thirty five to three. You know, oh yeah, that's 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 the thing about you know, but but man, yeah, we left some plays out there last night. And didn't you feel like Auburn? You know, I was a little bit critical of Gus Malzahn in his play calling during the game, and I was kind of thinking, you know, he was kind of coaching us, keep us in the game, you know, yeah. kind of coaching, keep us in, and it's almost looking back like though. He just decided, I'm not going to let my offense lose this game. I'm not going to put the game in Bo Nix's hands. At least I'm not going to put it in his arm, you know. And I'm not going to let him throw and beat us, and I'm going to depend on my defense, and his defense was good. And that's probably the story at the end of the day. Yeah, it was kind of that second half down in Gainesville, 2010, where I think we threw one pass. I mean, we're not we're not going to – we're going to try to manage this thing and get out of here. Now, if you lose, then all of a sudden, man, we went conservative in a hurry. But, you know, last night the way his defense was playing, he could do that. Okay, so, you know, going forward and looking at, you know, next week against Missouri, um, you know, Missouri is a team, they've won five games. I mean, I didn't realize – I, I did realize it. But, I mean, it's one of the things you look at Missouri and you're like, man, they've won five games, really. I mean, Auburn – I mean, Georgia blew them out yesterday. So, we need this game. We 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 bad. We need we need some positivity. You may play in a bowl game. 
probably playing a bowl game. I mean, you've had a couple of SEC schools that have opted out. You know, LSU's opted out. <laughs> self-imposed. Self-imposed. Uh, give me a break. Hey, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I hate to say it like this. If you're going to allow, you know, opt-outs, and we talk about how crazy this year is, we're going to give extra years of eligibility to, you know, to players and things of that nature. Hey, I'm I'm all for, like, the self-imposed bans and stuff. That ought not count either. Now, you know, in fact, I think I would like to see a rule that requires teams, if they are going to opt out of a postseason or do anything like that, to declare it by a certain time. Don't don't play the season three-fourths of the way out and yeah. be a really bad team and say, you know, we're going to do the right thing here. We're well, going to sit one out. Well, we've seen that before. We, we, we've seen that. We've seen that before from some self-righteous people. So, anyway. Um, hey, here's the thing. You know, before uh, before we go, you know, yesterday I was watching, you know, game day yesterday morning, and I was, you know, I watched a little bit of the Army-Navy game, and I tweeted this out, and it got me thinking about it. I was like, you know, there there are a few. We've been lucky, Charlie. We, we've really been lucky. I mean, this is what we do for a living. We've gone to some cool places, and we've done some cool things as far as some sporting events. But I'm telling you, if I had a bucket list right now of things that I'd love to do, I think one of the top five things without doubt is going to the Army-Navy game. I just think that would be one of the most awesome experiences. And I know they moved it to, to West Point yesterday. I want to go see a game one at West Point. I mean, I've always heard that is a great Mitchie Stadium right there on the banks of the Hudson. It is a fantastic place to watch a game, and I'm just enthralled by that. I'm just enthralled by the military schools. But, man, I would love to go to an Army-Navy game. I would. You know, Jay Logan has been around Mississippi State Athletics for a long time. Yeah, he was yeah. a trainer at Navy. He was. At one point. So he was there in Annapolis. He, he was a basketball trainer, and guess who was on the team? The Admiral. David Robinson. The Admiral. So I actually got to tour the Naval Academy with Jay when I was in high school. I was a junior in high school. I was in D.C. Jay Logan came and got me, took me over there, went all around Annapolis, and the whole ride over I'm thinking, I'm going to the Naval Academy. And the whole ride back, I'm thinking, I could never survive the time <laughs> at the Naval Academy. I'm not cut out for that. A little self-awareness there, at least. Um, but, yeah, that would be a cool thing. I, I, that is definitely a bucket list type thing. I want to go to Sunday at the Masters. Really? Yeah, I've yeah. been to a practice round. I've never been in the actual tournament play. I would like to do that. I, I, we, Jen and I went a few years ago to, I guess it's been, you know, for Jordan Spieth, the one that going away. We went to the Sunday round of the Masters, and it was different. I've been to a couple of practice rounds. The par three at Augusta, that's what you got to go to, the par three on Wednesday. But it's it's all laid back in the practice rounds. It's like a normal golf tournament. And then, But it, I tell you what, it gets serious. It's, it was a different feel on Sunday, a completely different feel, because it was so relaxed on Wednesday. But man, Sunday it, it's just it's it's different, and of course Augusta is just a different place anyway. I mean that place, as awesome as it looks on TV, it doesn't do it justice. It's crazy to say that because it's so hilly. It's everything is manicured perfectly. It's uh, I've always said as a former turf guy that that golf course is you know the <laughs> the uh, the thorn of existence for every golf course superintendent in America because. All the members who do not understand about how to grow grass are wondering, why can't I have what they have at Augusta? Why can't you plant your overseed like they do? 
it's not it's not real. It's almost like Wonder World. I mean, it's it's Disney because I mean they've got they've got so much money, and they're you know buying ryegrass seed a year in advance and putting it in a hyperbaric chamber, and that way you have a higher germination rate. I mean, it's it's nuts. It's it's absolutely nuts. So what else? All right. So for me, I think Army Navy would be in my list. Uh, Sunday at Augusta, I covered that. I don't really have. I don't really want to go to a Super Bowl. I don't want to go to a Super Bowl. Everybody I've talked to that's going to Super Bowls have talked about how commercial it is, and about how long it takes, and everything's kind of split up as far as your crowd. It's very corporate, and so you don't have a great atmosphere. I've been to an NFC Championship game, you know, down in the, in the Dome, which was nuts. That was the official game a couple of years ago. The, yeah, the speaking blown, of officials, yeah, the blown call. That, that was that was pretty awesome. But I have no desire to go to a. To a, a Super Bowl, I guess you know. To me, Army Navy is there. Um, some of mine may be overseas. I'd love to go to Wimbledon. I mean, I would love to go to, you know, a center court match at Wimbledon. Of course, it's a little bit different now since they built the new arena. I'd like to go maybe to a, a an Open Championship at St Andrews. Um, maybe English Premier League. I'm I'm, I'm sounding like I, I belong in Scotland or England right now, don't I? But I'm waiting on you to tell me that you want to run the Boston Marathon. Well, you know, I, I would, but I've got a train to run the Boston Marathon. <laughs> I'd be the guy that ran. <laughs> I'd be the guy that ran one block, you know, and I'd put the foil on me and say, "All right, I tried." <laughs> that's so, right. What do you got? Oh no, that's about it. I, I don't really care to do anything. If you gave me anything right now, I would. Uh, you know, my dad used to say, uh, "This was back." Uh, when I was a kid, his his goal in life was to die of a heart attack in the final moments of Mississippi State beating Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl to win the national championship. So uh, all of my things all are involved wanting Mississippi State to win. I was a little bit upset last night because I didn't think because <laughs> we didn't win. Yeah, uh, and I, I didn't necessarily see it coming. But as I've looked back at it, I do think a couple of minor. I don't even say minor. A couple of changes, a couple of improvements here or there could have gone a long way last night. And so, Bart, we talked about we've got to have one of these last two. Yeah. All right, so here it comes. Yeah. That's your best chance, right? Missouri's the lesser team in theory. I thought we were going to win that ball game yesterday. I had convinced myself firmly, and I think that's why I was kind of disappointed last night, is I had done a really good job. I had done a very good job of convincing myself that we were going to beat Auburn. And I don't know what got into me, but I had really convinced myself, yeah, now you got to. Now, now you got to figure out a way to win this game. So uh, 2.30 Saturday, we'll be on the air at, at uh, 10, 12.30. 12.30. Yeah, 12.30, which would be great, man. I mean, you got you know, 12.30, 2.30 game. I mean, it makes, makes you get back late. We can watch a little bit of the championship game. But uh, – Anyway, hey, this week on the show, we've got to figure out who we want to interview. We'll have a third. Missouri great. <laughs> Drew Locke. <laughs> Brad Pitt. I mean, who we got from Missouri? I have no idea. Not a lot. Yeah, we kind of went all in on Missouri last night. I kind of felt bad afterwards. I really didn't. But uh, I'm telling you, man, that M and the Rocks just bothers me on that hill in the end zone. I don't know why. Well, it's interesting. One of the things you and I have both done women's basketball and have traveled with a lot of sports and so you get a chance to go to every school in the SEC. There is not a school that belongs less in this league than Missouri. 
A&M fit. A&M fit from day one because they embraced it. They celebrated it. Missouri is – they don't even really fit in the Big 12. They just kind of belong in that Iowa-Nebraska kind of group. Hey, you know what I think of when I think of Missouri? Is I think we were up there in baseball a few years ago. It may have been 13. High school stadium. 13 or 14. Yeah, it's it's not very good. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not. I was say, not very good. This is not. a polite way of saying it's bad. Yeah. But on Sunday morning, we were with a baseball, and Greg Dry, who at the time, he's down at Auburn now, the ops guy, and he was the ops guy here. We go to Burger King, and I don't know why we chose Burger King, but we went to Burger King at like 7.30 on a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday morning, the getaway day of the three-game series, and we walk in, and the nice, the nice you know, young you know, young lady at the get, at the – counter says you know can i help you and greg was like i need 48 chicken biscuits or 48 sausage biscuits and 48 bacon cheese biscuits and she looked at us like you got to be kidding you know so you know, 48 and i'll tell you what it's just making an even 50 so that's what i think of when i think of columbia missouri is that lady at burger king looking at us when he was like yeah i need 100 biscuits like yeah, okay just walking in. <laughs> I've always thought, is there any more anything more upsetting than working in a restaurant or convenience store and you see the bus pull up? Oh, <laughs> like, why do I do this? But what's funny is is when you get somebody to take you on a bus. Back when Kelvin used to to drive the bus, you know, Kelvin, we get on the we get on the bus and be like two of us, and so you get to a restaurant or whatever. And you pull up, and you've got the kitchen staff, and you got everybody running crazy. There's a bus here. There's a bus here. Hey, hey, it's only two of us. You know, it's, it's only three of us. Don't don't worry about it. So, uh, Charlie and Brock, no, Charlie and Brock, Rob, uh, Robbie and Brock started the show this past week at the Southeastern Sports Group Studios, which we're broadcasting live from right now in downtown Startville. Did a great job with that show. I enjoyed uh, listening to that, the basketball show. I've tried to make you feel a little better about football. I'm going to need them to make me feel a little better about basketball. I was a little frustrated yesterday. It was frustrating. Hey, we're getting we're not as, we're not that bad. We're not we're not I hate to say it like that. We're we're not bad. We're, <laughs> we're not, not a bad. We're not a bad basketball team. You know, 9 of 22 at the free throw line just ain't going to get it. And that's got you beat twice. It's got you beat twice. It has gotten you beat twice. And so they'll do their show Tuesday, Wednesday somewhere in there. Charlie and I'll come back for our out of left field show on uh, on Thursday. Their show is Presented by Bank First, and uh, Bank First, they've got a lot of locations in Mississippi and Alabama, and then with our show with Out of Left Field, of course, Farm Bureau, a Country Pleasing Sausage, saw Henry to game last night, and then Cannon Ford of Startwell. So we appreciate those guys. So Charlie, I think that'll. You got anything else? What are you doing today? Who do the Cowboys play? They play in the midweek, don't they? Yeah, the Cowboys were actually supposed to be playing a night game, and I think got flexed to like a, a morning kickoff, basically. I think they're going to send them to the home shopping network to uh, to do their work. I think I'm going to go to Nantawaya. I think I'm going to go down there. Is it still hunting season? I mean, we're not in a break, are we? Because if it's not, I'm just going to take my gun. I may see a deer or something. I, but I've always said the majority of deer in Nantawaya are killed probably in – you know, June at 3 o'clock in the morning. they still got a, got a bunch of outlaws down in southern <laughs> Winston County. So, hey, enjoyed it as always. It's been Sunday coffee. I'm going to go get another fresh cup right now and have a great day in Startville. So, appreciate you guys listening to us. Tweet us your comments, at Barton Charlie. 
and uh, I'm at Mark Gregory. He's Charlie Win at Charlie Winfield on Twitter. What's your bucket list? What's your bucket list? I mean, that's that's a thing that I think everybody should have is a bucket list in sports. And so let's let's compare notes on this. Yeah, my immediate bucket list is a nap. Oh, I'm definitely getting a nap in today. Daddy's walking in and saying, "I don't care what you do, <laughs> but you do not, you do not open this door." Appreciate y'all joining us. Thanks again for listening. Catch us during the midweek out of left field.